what is happening here is unique and it's special. It's a product of this environment and also our like love for for this area. Welcome to the 457 SEO, a place for stories, information, and observations about our Southeast Ohio community. I'm Susan Teppen. And I'm Aaron Payne. This week, at least at the time of this recording, is Ohio Brew Week, a week in which brewers from across the state descend on the 457 SEO to enjoy the artistry and success of the beverage industry. Later on, we'll talk to the Director of Brewing Operations at Jackie O's, Brad Clark, about how craft beer can be an economic driver and how Southeast Ohio has shaped the work of one of the oldest breweries in the state. But if you want to know what to do and where to go this week, you'll need WOUB's culture reporter, Emily Votaw. She'll be in to give you a rundown on some of the week's festivities. She spoke with Brew Week Director Brandon Thompson, and she'll be with us in a second to share with us what he had to say. This is the 457 SEO Podcast. And now in the studio with us, the head of our culture reporting at WOUB, Emily Vota. Thanks for joining us. Sure thing. So Ohio Brew Week, it's the reason we've got this special bonus episode of the podcast. It's a pretty big week, is it not? Yeah, it's huge. It's um, Actually, it's a nine days. It's in full swing right now. It kicked off on, on Friday, July 14th, and it's going to uh, all the way till July 22nd for last call. And kind of depends how you judge things, because uh, DJ Bartikus will be having an after party at Casa Nueva on the 22nd. So I would say it kind of ends on the 23rd, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, now, this is not the first brew week by any means. No, no. Actually, it started in uh, two, back in 2005 by John Sparhawk, who was a local brewer who has uh, since passed away, but is always remembered every um, brew week for sure, because it's just continually grown um, over the past, geez, it's 12 years, I guess. Yeah. Uh, can you provide like some sort of measurement of how much this event has grown? I mean, when it first started out, the first time a brew, Ohio Brew Week happened in 2005 in the summer, there were um, a little bit more than 70 Ohio brews in 36 venues, which is a pretty big event, especially for a first first time happening. But now it's like there's over 200 plus varieties of regional beers um, that are in dozens of venues, uh, over dozens of events. Like there's stuff happening every day. And this isn't the Athens Brew Week. This is like the whole state comes out for this whole sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's Ohio Brew Week. So it's got to, you know, so state proud, all types of Ohio brews. All types of breweries from most. <laughs> most every place. Most of the people from here. <laughs> But also Great Lakes, I know, has been there, a bunch of other places. Yeah, I mean, it's something good for Athens during the summer months when things are in a little bit of a a lull otherwise. Brandon Thompson, who you might know from the uh, block party, the Halloween block party, is also the executive director of Ohio Brew Week, and he's been doing it for, this will be his second year. Last year went remarkably well. Last year was good, um, you know, so it's my first year, so I'm not really sure, you know, it didn't burn down, you know, so that's good, you know, um, but yeah, after everything was finished, um, you know, it was this big sense of relief just to have it done, you know, because it's such a large event to put together, but 
you know, we ended up uh, winning best annual Athens event last year. So in the A News, so I, I actually didn't even know it because I I read through most of the best news at Athens, but I didn't like see all of it. So I didn't even know I was in a category till they called me like, hey, where do you want us to send this plaque for? I'm like, wait, what? It's like you won best annual Athens event. I'm like, well, who did we beat? And I'm like, well, you beat Nelson Music Fest, you beat you know Paw Paw, and I'm like, dude, those are awesome events or whatever, yeah. you know. So uh, whatever we're doing was good, you yeah. know. So I, I was happy about that. Um, and yeah, just, just seeing it come together, you know, it was a lot of work. I think when I did this interview with you last year, it was, like, I was kind of freaked out. I was like, I don't know what's going on, you know, I'm trying to figure it out or, you know. And, um, but yeah, it, it's been great, you know, so we're just trying to build on that momentum from last year. So it sounds like they've got a pretty established thing going on there. Um, are they planning on any new events, uh, new things going on this year? Um, Brandon said there, there are quite a few. Well, there's lots of the returning stuff. There's going to be the Brew BQ will be going down. And of course, Last Call, everybody loves. Oh, it's so great. But, yeah, you get the drink on Court Street. That's crazy. But, <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, this, uh, Brandon told me that, like, in particular, doing this the second time around, he really wanted to focus on some weekday events instead of just making the weekend super strong. This year, they have a brewery and winery tour going on that's a little unique because it'll, it's very unique because it picks people up at their hotel, um, takes them to all the different uh, wineries or breweries, depending what tour you're talking about, and they drop them back off at their hotel. No driving required. You get a pour at every location and a tour. And cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, they pick up at people's apartments, too, because I can <laughs> load right on that. Uh, when are those tours going on? The um, Hawking Valley Winery and Spirits Tour is taking place on July 18th, and it kicks off at 10 a.m., bright and early. Mm-hmm. And then the Athens County Brewery Cruise is focusing on the breweries in the area here, and that's going to be uh, July 19th. Um, so far as other uh, um, weekday events, though, I think it's very worth mentioning that there is a golf tournament, uh, which will be, which is uh, put together by WUB, and uh, it's taking place on the 18th, so the same day as the winery tour, and that'll raise uh, funds for WUB Public Media. All right. Cool. One of the things I heard when I started this job is um, people want events during the week. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of people... Uh, come out for brew week during the weekends and that's great you know because they, they're off work and everything but you know as you saw we have events going on every day yeah. monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday so we want to get more people to come to athens you know and stay here and then see how great this place is you know take a day off from work and, and go around court street and then stay at one of our hotels and then go back and tell your friends hey i gotta go come back next year so if people want to find out what those events are, what website can they visit? Or where else could they get information? Yeah, absolutely. That would be ohiobrewweek.com. And they have so many events on there that I, I tried to print it off. And I think it was like 30 some pages. So <laughs> like, it's a lot of events. Now, Brew Week has been expanding since it started. So I can't imagine that it's going to stop anytime soon. Do they have any kind of concrete plans for expansion? Well, I wouldn't say that there are necessarily things that are 110% set in stone right now, but Brandon did express that there's some pretty exciting stuff on the horizon for Brew Week. If the brewery tour and then the winery tour do really well, we'd like to do that outside of Brew Week. Oh, cool. Because uh, one of the things we want to do is, um, so Brew Week happens, there's nine days, and then you don't really hear from us, you know, yeah. and then you kind of forget, and then it's, you know, it's homecoming, and it's pop and it's Halloween, and then Christmas, and then just, you know, yeah. and then, oh, it's summertime, I guess it's going to be Brew Week. We want to kind of do things outside of Brew Week, so we're looking at doing 
uh, some new stuff. One of the things yeah. I might do is a uh, an Oktoberfest this fall. Oh, cool. I think it would be really fun, you know, because people drink craft beer all year round, yeah, you know. Totally. So let, let's give them a reason to like, kind of get together and have fun, you know. Yeah. So. Um, so that's if this brewery tour goes really well, we'd like to try and maybe do that every quarter. You yeah. Know? So oh, cool. get, you know, and hopefully extend it to Columbus and, and oh, Cleveland nice. and Cincinnati and bring those people here. So some things to look forward to. So you talked about some of the new events that will be taking place during Ohio Brew Week, like the the tours, winery, and craft beer alike. Uh, but could you maybe mention some of the mainstays of the festival, such as uh, Last Call? Yeah, for sure. Last Call is the, the last of, event of uh, Brew Week, and it's definitely a signature one. There's um, this, this year will be a little bit different. For the first time, they're going to have a main stage and an acoustic stage, which is pretty cool. So you kind of have your options and entertainment there. Uh, some of the main stage acts are going to be Shouts and Whispers, Come On, Come Ons, the band Keezy, good old DJ Bardicus, mm-hmm. Dysfunctional Family, Five Foot Forward, Hell Not, and Any Color will be closing out the night. So what kind of a mix am I getting if I'm if I'm staying all day? That's pretty eclectic, especially if you're going to be bouncing back and forth from the acoustic stage. Um, um, I, I couldn't quite uh, um, uh, the the acoustic uh, lineup is not mentioned on their Facebook page right now, as of right now. Just with the main stage acts, you're going to get some just kind of like classic rock and roll stuff with your come on, come on, some like rock poppy type stuff. Um, then uh, when you get, I mean, DJ Bardicus is going to have probably all types of crazy obscure music like he always does it's just always super groovy and cool and just sort of all over but some of these some of these are definitely athens main stages mainstays like uh, dysfunctional family's been around for a while hell no it's been around for a while now yeah and last call is an interesting event in that all the brewers throughout the week will be in different locations they'll take over different bars on court street but at the end it's like they all come out onto court street and mm-hmm. you can walk right up to them and drink on Court Street, which I'm not much of a local quite yet, but I understand that's a uh, n- something that's rare. So it's interesting that you can just walk up and interact with uh, the breweries all at once uh, for a very long period of time. How long does the last call run? It it's seems crazy. All day it starts up at noon. So I think yeah. they actually it's a little bit longer this year, so it is starting up at noon and it'll be closing up around midnight. So that's a solid twelve hours you got going on. There. <laughs> right. Hopefully it's not too hot. It's a big event where um, I went to it last year, and OU alum come back. Oh, everybody from Ohio comes back. I had a friend who had her bachelorette party at last call. Oh, nice. So, all yeah. right. So the details: Ohio Brew Week. Where can we get all of these details? Those details are going to be on a very well-put-together website, fun to navigate. I really appreciate it. There's some bubble graphic action, which is really appreciated by me. Well, sure. I don't know about you guys. But um, like I say, if you go to ohiobrewweek.com, you can get that entire schedule under the events tab, as well as you can learn more about the history and some of the vendors that are going to be taking part in the event. All right, there you have it. Emily Vota, culture reporter at WOUB. Where can we find your work again? WOUB.org slash culture. And I update that baby just about every day, so you should stop on by and see what's got going on. Working like a train. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Emily. Sure thing. Thank you. When we come back, Jackie O's Director of Brewing Operations, Brad Clark, joins the 457 SEO podcast to talk about brewing in Southeast Ohio. You have time to develop things. You have time to sit back 
and analyze them, look at them, enjoy them or not, and kind of really think about what your next step is. Hello, my name is Brad Clark. I'm the director of brewing operations at Jack Yeo's Pub and Brewery in Athens, Ohio, and I oversee all the brewing operations at Jack Yeo's. And how long have you been with Jack Yeo's? For 12 years, since the beginning. And can you, for the listeners that may not know, can you talk to us about the beginning of Jack Yeo's? Before it was Jack Yeo's, it was a brew pub named Ohulis. Ohulis was an Irish bar that started in the early 80s. And in 1996, they added a brewing system to their uptown location at 24 West Union. I started working at Ohulis in 2004. At the end of 2005, it switched ownership to Art Ostrike. At that time, I was homebrewing, and he said, if you want to be the brewer after you graduate OU, you're more than welcome to. Uh, I signed another lease, graduated with a creative writing degree, and uh, two days after graduation, I brewed the first batch at Jack Yeo's. Which was? Which was Firefly Amber Ale. And that was, I believe, June 8th of 2006. Now walk me through the milestones of Jack Yeo's. It's certainly grown since then. So what are some of the milestones that it's hit over over a decade? One of the biggest ones is when we started, there were six employees. We now have a little over 140. But over the course of time, how we've gotten to that point is 2005, ownership changes from Ohulis to essentially Jack Eos. We kept the name Ohulis for a little bit. Uh, the name changed shortly after that, though. Uh, started brewing in June of 2006. The end of 2009, we got Skippers, which was the bar right next to Jack Eos. That then became our public house that allowed us to expand our kitchen And then from moving the kitchen out of the brew pub space into the public house, we were then able to expand the brewing operations to make more beer. Towards the end of 2010, we then purchased a farm or a property on Angel Ridge Road and started what is now known as Barrel Ridge Farm, uh, which is about a 20-acre plot that we have a lot of produce and uh, also fruit and some hops and things that we use both in brewing and in our kitchen as well uptown. Then it was December of 2011 when we then purchased the uh, Cheese Barn, which is now our production uh, site, which is on 25 Campbell Street. It's known as the Cheese Barn because it was originally built for cheese manufacturing Uh, but we're now manufacturing beer. And uh, about 18 months ago, we doubled the size of the building, adding on another 8,000 square feet to uh, increase production so that we can meet demand here in the state of Ohio. So I guess this is an open-ended question, but why beer in Southeast Ohio? Why take on this endeavor? Both Art and I, and also some some other employees uh, that, you know, grew up here or Um, went to college here in Athens years ago. We all enjoyed hanging out at Ohulis um, and and drinking OPA and and some of the beers that they made made there in our collegiate years. For me, uh, it was quite inspiring, enough so that it got me into uh, homebrewing. And as I was, you know, finishing up my degree here, I wanted to give brewing a shot. And somehow, 
it all came together here in Athens, a town that I had fallen in love with and and didn't want to leave. And I don't think Art or I realized it when we f- first kind of jumped into this together, but I'm pretty sure that we did this so that we didn't have to leave Athens. It wasn't so much about our, you know, our love for beer or, you know, my passion for making beer was, was a definite catalyst for it. But I think more so it was our love of Athens and southeastern Ohio that really made it work. When you started, did you see yourselves being a driver of economic development, employing over a hundred over people, buying real estate, expanding out, distributing? I often tell people that this was not part of the plan. The plan changed many times. It's always, always developing. It is a living creature. But to look at what we've accomplished from just a business standpoint, but also from an employer standpoint, and some of the attention that we've brought into the area, um, some of the things that we've been able to do personally and professionally through beer, it's shocking at some points, you know. It's something that we don't take lightly, and we feel very lucky to be able to do what we do, what we love doing in a town that we love, and also with people that we love as well. This is a, a business built on um, passion. I, I love going to work every day, and I never would have imagined that this is how it was going to play out, but uh, I feel very lucky that it has. Can you talk about the support structure that was in place for individuals that wanted to get into craft brewing, be it uh, community sp- support and maybe uh, support from the government or maybe hindrance from the government, just how it's changed since you began? When I was getting like ready to do this, as far as southeastern Ohio went, uh, there there were no other breweries. There was Marietta Brewing Company. Um, Kelly Sauber was a Athens resident and had brewed at Ohulis back in the late 90s. So I was able to talk to him to gauge what I should expect, you know, but for the most part, uh, it was somewhat of a, of a vacuum as far as having like peers and other brewers to bounce things off of. Something else to to consider was when we got our brewing license in late 2005 or mid 2006 in that period, we were the 24th brewery in the state of Ohio. I believe now there are almost or maybe a little over 240 brewing license in the state of Ohio. At the time, regulation was a little tighter. I think as brewing has become a viable revenue source for the state through taxation, also through employment numbers, they have actually kind of moved towards helping breweries open as opposed to you know, slowing the process down, which is great to see. Our state liquor agent has been very helpful. It's been neat to kind of see that happen and to be able to work with the state and and with the government with support coming from from all uh, angles. As far as legislators embracing craft beer, how much of that is contributed to the realization that a brewery can employ over 100 people and distribute across the state and beyond. How much do you think it related to them embracing uh, craft beer as a economic development engine? Yeah, in, in the past five years, I think it's become very evident that this is an industry that is growing. 
This is an industry that is strengthening small communities and large cities alike. This is something that people are putting their their money towards, you know. It's it's funny, you know, you look at different industries that have fallen over the past 10, 20, 30 years or moved overseas or things of this nature. But whether it's a distillery, a brewery, a cidery, or a winery, these are things that are moving right now. And these are generating a lot of money for both cities and state. And as you've been talking about, employing a number of people, uh, a pretty large number. And it's also something that is continually growing. I think everybody's kind of taking note of that. Alcohol will always be a controversial industry just because, you know, of, of its effects. But it is a viable industry for sure. And we're, we're definitely seeing that now in southeastern Ohio. You know, 12 years ago when we started, it was a much different environment. It's been a pleasure to kind of be part of that and, and to watch that grow and develop and become more welcoming. And, you know, from Jackie O's standpoint, how we've been able to grow over the years is, is, uh, is always surprising even to myself. It seems that you are very involved in the community. If you look at an event, a fundraiser or something, you usually see Jackie O's mm-hmm. logo on it. Um, how important to you all is it to be involved in the community? Athens completely sculpted, I mean, what Jackie O's is. As I was talking earlier, when I started, there were really no other brewers to talk to. I didn't really exactly know what I was doing either, nor did Art as as an owner. We didn't know how to run a bar, let alone a restaurant or a brew pub. We learned how to do this through a lot of trial and error, but we were also, you know, fostered from Athens, you know, and we were inspired by Athens and supported by Athens. It's really important to us that, you know, when we're employing all these people that live here and also then working with the community, be it Athens or OU or many other programs. It's extremely important that, that we give back to uh, Southeastern Ohio and Athens because they've given us so much support over these past 12 years. When you started, there weren't any peers to talk to. Now there are two breweries and a cidery. Is that mm-hmm. how you say that? A yeah, cidery. Yeah. And from as far as I can tell, you all get along mm-hmm. swimmingly. Yeah. Can you talk about working with the other breweries and are, are you trying to build the industry to make it strong from different parts? Mm-hmm. When I started talking about, you know, not having peers, part of that was also that I was doing everything by myself as well. And, and now I have a really talented group of brewers that I get to work with every day. And so that's also, you know, something that has helped to build and grow this and um, all this other talent and different set of eyes and ideas. But then that also obviously translates into the other breweries here in town. Sean at Little Fish, he was the pub brewer at Jack Yo's for, for two years before he started Little Fish. So Sean and I, our, our history goes back, you know, about five years now. And it's been great to see Little Fish grow and uh, become successful. And they've got a great space. I I enjoy going there as often as I can. And then, you know, you've got Cameron at Devil's Kettle. Both Little Fish and Devil's Kettle just hit their two-year mark uh, a few weeks past. It's great to see these other breweries up and running and making a very, very different beer. Between Jackie O's, Devil's Kettle, and Little Fish, the diversity of the types of beers made within Athens rivals that of any city 
in the state of Ohio, be it Cleveland, Columbus, or Cincinnati. We do not have 40-plus breweries in Athens, obviously, like those other cities do. But the three brewing companies here are making really interesting beers, and it covers the entire span of, of beer styles, which is very dynamic and kind of exciting. And what we're finding is that when people are visiting Athens, be it to go hiking, be it for an event at OU, or to come and drink beer and enjoy this area, they're consistently surprised and kind of shocked by what is going on here. It's different. And I think the only way that we can really pinpoint that is just that Athens is unique. It's a special place. We might not be able to definitively say how that's affected us What we do know is that what is happening here is unique and it's special. It's a product of this environment and also our, like, love for for this area. Coming from that environment, which is a unique one, Jackio's has distribution outside of Ohio even. You were talking to me about Denver, California maybe happening. Does that change things as far as the vision goes? Does that change things as far as from brewery to brewery? Well, Jackios is trying to move to Cal- move their distribution to California, but we're trying to just stay here. Does that change anything? It's, it's hard to say right now because this is kind of new for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the products that we are moving outside of the state or outside of the country, we're not doing full product launches. Like those markets are not seeing our cans. Uh, They're not seeing Mystic Mama as wheat. What they are seeing is some of the higher-end specialty products that we make. Due to the size of our operation, our smallest batch that we make yields a good amount of beer. And some of these beers are so um, different or specialty that it's hard to sell all of it in the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. We're in the business of making beer and selling beer. That's what we're so- supposed to do, right? Instead of just having it sitting in our warehouse, we are pushing it now into a couple other markets. We picked Denver, California, Vermont, and Denmark because we have close friends that have distribution companies in those states. We felt very comfortable working with them because we are close friends with them. Uh, We also knew that our product would be handled correctly. And it will be interesting to see how that affects what happens here in Ohio or here in Athens from getting our product kind of sprinkled across the country and a little bit across the pond to see if that actually creates more of a stimulus. I don't think it's going to have an adverse effect by any means. I am excited to kind of see what happens with more people getting their hands on this, more people learning about Athens and, uh, you know, looking up Jackie O's and then maybe going further down that, that little rabbit hole. That is Athens, Ohio. And crossing the <laughs> pond to see what it's like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How often would you estimate people come in to Jackie O's or come into Little Fish or Devil's Kettle or the Cider House that are here strictly just because they heard from one of their friends, oh, you've got to go to Athens, you've got to try Mystic mm-hmm. Mama, you've got to try Berliner Weiss or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you get that a lot or do you get Every that? single week. Right. Every single week. Yeah. You know, and you look what's happening this week during Ohio Brew Week, and uh, there's people from many neighboring states. There's people from all over the state of Ohio. I know that there's people that come from as far as California or Florida uh, for this every single year. All of the hotels are seeing a a, a huge increase in in, in rooms being rented and uh, gas stations, 
restaurants, uh, all the little shops on Court Street in that uptown area. Everybody is benefiting from uh, what's happening this week with Ohio Brew Week, but on a annual scale, just from like beverage tourism in general, it is a, a viable industry for Athens and not it's not just the breweries that are benefiting from it. It goes across the board. Are you involved in any effort to try to build on the momentum that the beverage industry has here uh, along with, let's say, hiking or biking or what have you, just to try to build up the tourism industry and maybe other industries in the area. Are, are you involved in that mm-hmm. movement and to what extent? Um, yeah, we we do work with some different biking groups and some different um, biking events uh, around here, um, mainly sp- sponsorship type in, in involvement or uh, linking in maybe beer at, at, at the events. Um, as far as hiking and stuff goes, I think we've done some stuff with Wayne Forrest over the years. We've done some stuff about like, like trail rebuilding. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that cross over our desks and, um, a lot of them come from OU organisms, uh, organisms, <laughs> organizations. I mean, it's still <laughs> technically correct. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and we get stuff from, like, uh, you know, the Athens Bike Shop and, you know, everybody kind of comes through. And, and, we, and we look at everything and, and pick the ones that we feel really uh, might have an impact or there's something there that could hopefully grow so next year it's a little bigger. Um, but we, we would like to do more of that. Um, it's been interesting over the past four years because we were just a brew pub before that so seven and a half eight years it was just this little brew pub that sold pretty much all of its beer within its building at that point we knew that there was an opportunity to make more beer and get it outside of Athens so these past four years have been pretty intense and growing at a steady clip trying to meet the demand of the state of Ohio we've gotten there now now we're trying to create more demand within the state of Ohio and also shooting some beer off into some other markets. Now that we're at that point, we're excited to kind of like slow down a little bit and really work on the business and really tighten everything up and make things right and also work with the community more, whether it's like bike path stuff or whether it's youth sports or music programs or all these things. We've got a long list of things that we would like to uh, start contributing to. I'm excited now that we're getting to this point. Once we get through this year, it's gonna, it's really gonna start, and we can really start looking into like philanthropic efforts. We rally around anything that's going on. You look at the farmers market. You know, you look at restaurants like Casa that you know have been supporting all these small farms and orchards for decades, and uh, it's no wonder that our menu reflects that and that our brewing sensibility is based off of that, this being like a product of your environment. So we've had wonderful leaders that we could learn from and model things off of, and uh, hopefully now we're putting ourselves into a position that other brewers in, in the state um, or in the country can, can look at our model and say, this is the right way to do it, or, you know, or this, this is a great idea and this is 
how we can get involved more with our community. Hopefully we're coming into our age as something that newer breweries can kind of look to and reach out to us and and we can give advice and, and help them. I wanted to go off the track and say, ask, in the business world, obviously, while you're doing things, you're experimenting on different things, Mm -hmm. and some things don't work. Is there anything along the way, as a brewer yourself, that... You tried and, and hoped um, that it would never get out because it was... Yeah, I mean, there's there's things that we've... Um, or things that work that you didn't think would work. Yeah, uh, you can look at it on a lot of different levels. We've definitely made beers that were not good. We've definitely put some of those beers down the drain. We have made beers for the sake of experimentation that weren't necessarily the best beers, but we wanted to share them because of why we made them. So one thing is we've got this beer named Ricky, mm-hmm. and Ricky is modeled after like PBR or like industrial macro lagers. We created this because – so being craft brewers, we get to drink craft beer all the time, which is great. But the crux of that is that we're always analyzing it. How's the aroma? Uh, is the carbonation right? All these things. But you can talk to almost any craft brewer, and they'll say – like PBR or Old Milwaukee or Coors Light or whatever, we've all got like our guilty pleasure. And what's beautiful about those beers is that when we drink them, we're just drinking beer. Mm. There's a good chance you probably like the flavor of whatever one you pick. I've always wanted to create a beer like that. And it was something that really no other craft breweries were doing, creating this uh, cheap, bland, void of character yellow beer. We created that we really put it out about three years ago at Nelsonville Music Fest so that we could compete with Budweiser and Miller products that were $4 a glass. Mm-hmm. Over the years now, um, Ricky has become a pretty big brand for us. Um, it's our top-selling draft brand. And uh, at $119.99 per half barrel, we're actually like taking Miller Lite drafts, Blue Moon drafts, PBR drafts and it's it's neat to see people excited about drinking a yellow beer from a craft brewery and it's also interesting to see how confused uh, some consumers are They're like this is this is the blandest craft beer I've ever had I don't know if I get it and and they do get it because that's kind of what it's designed for but that was something that was that was a big risk but that came out on the other end you know that came out very positively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through experimentation, you have to you have to put beer down the drain, and that's that's just part of it. Yeah. Um, luckily, we've put ourselves in a position where we where we can experiment a lot, yeah. and we can put beer down the drain, and it's not something that's going to really negatively affect the business. But if if we screw up, we we work very hard to figure out why and how so that it does not happen again, and that's more valuable than than what the liquid would would give us yeah so no bacon beers on the horizon then i did one years and years did ago really? yeah it's like 2007 <laughs> i made a, a bacon beer and i haven't made one since. <laughs> <laughs> we learned something <laughs> something valuable yes yes um, you talked earlier about being uh, shaped by your surroundings personally and as a business. When you look at Southeast Ohio as a whole, if you, what would you say the difference in being a brewer in Southeast Ohio versus 
being a brewer in Cleveland or Columbus? Mm-hmm. How, how would you say that's different? I think the biggest impact is this is a small town. This is a small community. It's a tight community. It's also slow here. And it's very creative. How does all that wrap together? It's more like methodical, I think. You, you have time to develop things. You have time to sit back and analyze them, look at them, enjoy them or not, and kind of really think about what your next step is. We don't really have like traffic here in Athens. The town is sleepy on weekends, later to rise, and there's not this hustle bustle, if you will. Everything that we do is a little bit more intentional. Not to say that busy cities and, and how businesses operate in them is not intentional, but the, the pressure to constantly produce and supply isn't always here. With that being kind of relieved off of you, there's more room to experiment, explore, and kind of define yourself in a much more expressive way. Just the fact that you know half the people that are in your brewery and you see them on a weekly basis and you have relationships with people and it's not just you know a body coming in and putting money over the bar there's like uh, like a levity to that or like a heaviness you know you sure we're making beer for people to enjoy but like when you actually know the person enjoying it and you're able to just dis- talk to them about the beer or about their life like it means something more mm-hmm. that definitely changes things that's interesting and i'd like to ask you a little bit more about that when when you come up with ideas for making a beer what how does it make it a, a different approach when you're thinking i'm making this beer for ted as opposed to i'm making this beer for the masses mm-hmm. let me tell you about a beer that was inspired by someone. Mm. So we had been making Dark Apparition, which is our Russian Imperial Stout. We started making that in 2008 or 2007, actually. So I'd been making that for a few years. I wanted to make another Imperial Stout that was a little bit more experimental or adventurous, or at the time we were using this phrase called extreme. (laughs) I had a name picked out, Oil of Aphrodite, which is a Frank Zappa lyric. But I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with that beer. And Chris Schmiel from Integration Acres, who's also our county commissioner, came to me one day and said, uh, I've got all these black walnuts. I think it'd be kind of cool if you made a beer with them. And right at that moment, this thing went off. And I was like, that's, that's how I'm going to make oil of Aphrodite. Nuts have oils in them. There's all these things. It's black. It's thick. But it all came together. So we released that beer for the first time in 2010. It's become, it's by no means our most popular beer, but within brewing enthusiast circles and things of that nature, it is one of our kind of like cult classics or favorites for sure. And at the time, not a lot of people were brewing with nuts. Um, there, was, there was another brewery in, in Michigan, Shorts Brewing Company, they were making a beer called Uber Goober <laughs> that was a peanut butter stout, mm-hmm. but they were actually using real peanuts. So the first day that I was brewing oil of Aphrodite, I had the walnuts. I had mashed in all my grain. You know, I was making the beer, but I didn't know what to do with the walnuts. So I called up Shorts and just happened to get on the phone with the owner and, and brewer there. And I said, you know, how do you guys 
treat your peanuts? And he goes, well, we roast them in our, in our pizza ovens. It pulls the oils out and it also, you know, changes the, through, through the heat, you have, you know, caramelization of sugars and mm-hmm. fats and melanoidin reactions and all these things that make the nuts more aromatic and changes their flavor and aroma profile so it's more adaptable to, to beer. And I said, thanks, you know, and put the walnuts in our pizza ovens and it worked. But that was completely inspired by a farmer or, you know, a cheesemaker or all these different things that Chris Schmiel does. That's what inspired it, you know, going to the farmer's market and going to companion plants and rubbing lemon verbena. Well, that like set off a whole string of different beers that we've made with lemon verbena. It's like, you know, these little things, but they were completely inspired by, by here in Athens. Our summer seasonal, which is canned, it's called New Growth. Mm. It's an IPA made with uh, spruce tips or spruce needles. Mm. And I started, I first made that beer in 2010. But what happens right around kind of May is the spruce trees start to grow new growth. And they, it's called tipping, you know. So from the hard branch, this new little growth comes off that's tiny and green. And it's, um, it's filled with all these oils and a bunch of vitamin C. And we collect all those and rinse them and put them into the, into the boil kettle while, while we're making this, this IPA. And so it is literally inspired by what is happening in the season. There's nothing like fake or made up about it. This is when the spruce trees are tipping in Athens and we are harvesting them and putting them into our beer. So creating a sense of place or being or terrar is what they use in the in the wine world. We are doing this through ingredients. All of the artists that are on all of our cans and our bottles, they're all people that live here or spent a large amount of their life here. So we're also conveying and supporting local arts, but conveying a sense of uh, place through our artwork and how we're presenting everything. So it's, it, there's so many levels to it, but it's extremely important to us. And it must be great to just be able to sit here and go, what am I going to put in a beer today? <laughs> Sometimes my brewers don't necessarily like, like me so much. <laughs> yeah. You're just saying, what's he going to yeah. put in the beer today? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we recently brewed a Saison that had... Um, Sea salt and uh, and and nori sheets in it. Oh, really? So sea salt and seaweed it oh. tastes pretty good. Hmm. I think that one's gonna work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> you got a name picked out? Uh, Restless wave. Oh, oh that's deep. Good. Yeah. Like Creative that. writing degree. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, it's amazing. I, I never thought I would use it nearly as much as I do. <laughs> For the listener at home who can't see, uh, Brad has a. a hop farm hat mm-hmm. on I, i'd like to ask you about hops a little bit okay. as far as farmers have taken to growing more hops to meet the needs of the craft beer industry mm-hmm. and f- whenever you talk to somebody about hops it seems all oh, pacific northwest pacific mm-hmm. northwest but that seems to be migrating to the east a little bit a little bit, yeah. a little bit. Sure. not still pacific northwest yeah, is the yeah. end all be all for that hops. is where that is where tributary <laughs> is is in the pacific northwest yeah. yeah um can you talk about 
growing hops in this area, what mm-hmm. are the challenges? Are they in any way different than in the Pacific Northwest? Yep, absolutely. So um, it's in the in the correct latitude lines. There's like this, I think it's like the 42nd latitude line is like the ideal hop growing band that goes around the world. Um, and you can grow them in, in, in other areas, but it, it is definitely a very different climate than what it is in the Pacific Northwest. So a lot of the varietals that are grown out west are the ones that are extremely popular in IPA production. And India Pale Ales or IPAs are king right now, and they have been for years. There are you know, more IPAs being made than all the other beer styles combined. Mystic Mama, our IPA, is 50 to 55% of our production. Um, it is the beer that drives the company. It is our flagship. A lot of those hot varietals, though, cannot grow in the state of Ohio. There's plenty of other varietals that, that do grow in the state of Ohio that can be used in a multitude of different brewing styles. But over the past few years, there's been some enormous strides in hot production in the state of Ohio, mainly through Ohio State's Agriculture Department. They've, been, they've got a whole like hot program where they're working on developing different cultivars that can grow in this area well and have high yields and and all these things. And the farmers are now, they have the correct processing equipment. Um, They're able to pelletize the hops and vacuum seal them and, and all these advances that have happened so that when we get product from very developed hop farms from, from out West or from Germany or England or New Zealand, They've been tested. You've got all this data on them. They're processed well. They're packaged well. And these were some things that that, that were lacking uh, years and years ago here in the state of Ohio, but that's all been caught up now. We grow some hops at our farm. We use use those in a few beers each year. They're called wet hop beers. So we, we pick them the day before off the vine, and then we use them that following day. So they're about 24 hours old and they are wet. But I do not buy a lot of Ohio grown hops, mainly because I need consistency and because of the the amount of beer I'm making is large and it would be a ton of hops. I need to be dialed in. You know, I need Mystic Mama to taste the same every can or try to at least, you know. I end up going out west and I visit these farms and I do hop selection and I'm able to try five to six different samples of said hop and pick the one that I think would suit Mystic Mama the best. And that's where I get all, you know, 10,000 pounds of that single hop from. That's that's my lot. And it, it's neat to be able to do that, but it's also exciting to see the developments that have happened in both hop growing, but also malt growing and, and malting as well in the state. As the brewing industry grows, you see you know, people that are growing the ingredients, but also you see like equipment manufacturers, label companies, can companies, all these different things pop up around it. You know, craft beer bars or tap rooms and all these different things. It's been wild to see the whole, the industry grow, but also the industries around it also uh, grow. It is Brew Week. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you to have brewers from across the state and people from across the state and beyond come in 
to basically your house mm-hmm. and be you're able to showcase what you do and what Athens is doing while also being able to enjoy what they're doing. Um, so it's a it's a busy week. In in years past, when it was just the brew pub and it was pretty much just me brewing, I would uh, I would actually take the entire week off. Like I, I would not brew, and I did a number of events, um, but also wanted to make sure that I had time each day to to meet these other brewers or to meet these people that have traveled to Athens for brew week and at least talk to them or or show them around. That's changed a little bit now. You know, we still have to make uh, beer every day so that we can supply, you know, our markets and everything. So I make sure that, of course, we are running both breweries the way that they should be going through that week. I do a few events, but I still really try to carve out time that if if a brewer comes through or if somebody from Pennsylvania comes through and they've bought, in, you know, a couple cases of bottles at our tap room. Like I want to at least be able to say hi and introduce myself or buy them a beer or show them around the brewery. Just let them know that we, you know, appreciate them coming through and try to create that experience for them, especially when it's when it's other brewers, whether I've known them uh, for a long time or, or it's our first time meeting. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of what we've built and created and uh, and I and I love showing it off <laughs> Um that might sound kind of funny, but uh, yeah, uh, hopefully it's inspiring or, you know, through doing a little tour or talking about our process or some of the um, triumphs or tribulations that, that we've encountered, be it that week or over the past couple of years or who knows. Hopefully I can learn something or they can learn something or, you know, or I create this new this new relationship that uh, if and when something comes up on either side, we can reach out to each other and and help each other. It's a really small community. Sure, there's a bunch of breweries and a bunch of people that work at breweries, but it's it's extremely small. It's best that we all work together and uh, and like help each other. I don't think it's so much that like we're fighting this this battle against big beer anymore. If anything, the market is so saturated that we're actually competing against each other, which is which is definitely the truth. But if we're all able to make better beer or run a better business, then, then we'll last. And that's going to be better for the entire industry. So, you know, it's like that rising tide floats all ships. You know, ultimately, I'm, we are all here to learn something and uh, essentially help each other. Something that we ask the guests on this podcast is, what does this area need and how do we get it? And you live here, mm-hmm. you make beer here, you serve beer here. I'm presuming you have you have a sense of this area. From your perspective, what does this area need, and is is it something that craft beer can provide? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I believe that um, this area is affected uh, so much by OU and by the student population. I think it's very hard to have businesses here that are economically viable year-round. I think that we have been able to create that. We definitely see an increase, you know, especially in uptown food and beer sales when students are in town and a decrease when they leave, but it works all 12 months out of the year. And it'd be great to, f- to have more of that happening in town. And it's, it's a hard thing. I don't even know if it's completely possible, you know, but 
it'd be great to see some some better food options in town, you know, that are not so much catered to the student population. But then again, there's, there's a reason why that is, that is a tough uh, sector to get into. You know, you look at restaurants like, like, like Zoe's that's been around for a long time. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's amazing to have things like that in town. Um, but, but they will, they will tell you it's, it's really difficult when, when students leave, you know, and, uh, and so it would be great if somehow we could we could make that work more. But then again, if the people aren't here to to eat the food or to to spend the money, then you know that's something. So I think more of it comes down to trying to get more industry into this area. And I'm not talking about like developing it or building it more into a city, but like having more year-round residents. You know, more people that are buying homes starting families that have, you know, jobs here in Athens. Um, I think, uh, you know, that that will kind of help the community grow. Um, I don't think it will change it too much. Of course, it's always going to change, right? But um, I know that from from our growth, from having six employees to 140, it's got to do something, right? So... Hopefully we can find some other industries that can come into the community and, and have a positive effect on not only f- food and beverage, but also, um, you know, school programs. And, and um, I mean, it, it just goes on and on, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that Athens needs to change by any means, <laughs> but it'd be great to see it. Uh, it'd be great to see that, like, uh, like the average age, maybe raise a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I guess is what I'm getting at. But we'll see. Everything takes time, right? Yeah. Right. All right uh, bonus question. Mm-hmm. Your go-to beer right now when you're drinking. Go-to beer. Um, I'm, I always say Mystic. Um, Mystic is, you know, our, our flagship beer. Um, it's the one that we brew the most of. It's the one that we package two to three days every week. Um, so it's the beer that I tend to drink the most of. Um, I'm also just extremely proud of that beer. We started making that beer in 2009, and uh, I'm I'm so happy that it's that it is the driving force behind the company, and uh, and I think it's a it's a really well crafted uh, IPA, and uh, yeah. So when it's good, it's good, and uh, I like good beer, so. I drink Mystic Mama. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your time. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. And that's it for this Ohio Brew Week edition of the 457 SEO podcast. Our thanks to Jackie O's Director of Brewing Operations, Brad Clark, and WOUB culture reporter Emily Votaw for sharing some of her interview with Brandon Thompson with us. We published a link to the Brew Week events in the story for this podcast at WOUB.org. 457 SEO is recorded in WOUB Public Media's Telemix studio. Our original music is composed by Nathan McGuire. Our producer behind the glass is Adam Rich, and Aaron Payne over there is our editor. If you're new to the podcast and liked what you heard, every episode of the 457 SEO is archived on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, 
And we were recently added to NPR One, NPR's app. Woo! Yeah, pretty exciting for us. You can listen to every episode by searching for 457SEO at woub.org. And if you go to one of those locations that has our podcast that you have the option to leave a review, we're seeking those reviews out kind of help us shape what this show will be. So looking for constructive criticisms. Until next time, I'm Aaron Payne. And I'm Susan Tevin. Thanks. Bye.